Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of generalized anxiety disorder found under the psychiatry section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with the clinical snapshot. A 40-year-old man seeks help at an urgent care for palpitations and tremors. He is otherwise healthy. After an electrocardiogram rules out any cardiac issues, the physician performs a thorough history and exam, noting that he has tremors, cold and clammy hands, tachycardia, and overall restlessness. He reports these feelings come and go, and he has felt this way for the past three years. On further investigation, he has a remote history of generalized anxiety disorder and had taken tricyclic antidepressants. He is wary of medications given the side effects he had experienced on TCAs, and he hopes to find an alternative way to treat his anxiety. Let's continue with an introduction to generalized anxiety disorder. As a general overview, remember that generalized anxiety disorder, or GAD, is a type of anxiety disorder, which also includes panic disorder, phobia disorders, and obsessive-compulsive disorder. And remember that GAD is characterized by anxiety that lasts more than six months unrelated to any specific triggers or if an identifiable stressor has ended. And with regards to epidemiology, remember that this is a very common disorder, and risk factors include genetic susceptibility and environmental instability. In terms of the pathogenesis, the mechanism is unclear, but mediators of anxiety in the brain appear to be norepinephrine, serotonin, dopamine, and GABA. Also remember that some patients may also have genetic predisposition to anxiety. And conditions associated with GAD include other mood disorders, such as major depressive disorder and substance misuse disorders. Moving on to the presentation, symptoms will include excessive anxiety and persistent worrying with at least three of the following, restlessness, fatigue, difficulty concentrating, irritability, muscle tension, and sleep disturbance. And on physical exam, one may note excitation or hyperactivity, which may take the form of tremors, rapid heartbeat, sweating, restlessness, dry mouth, globus sensation, cold and clammy hands, or shaking. And in terms of the differential, make sure to think about social anxiety disorder, which is characterized by physiological distress, avoidance behaviors, fear of embarrassment, humiliation, and rejection in social situations. It is distinguished from generalized anxiety disorder as it only occurs in the setting of social situations. Also think about adjustment disorder, which has key distinguishing factors of anxiety or other mood changes with the onset within three months of an identifiable stressor or trigger, and it lasts less than six months once that stressor has ended. Also remember that treatment consists of cognitive behavioral therapy and selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. And in terms of treatment for GAD, lifestyle options include cognitive behavioral therapy. This is indicated in all patients, and they may often need pharmacotherapy as well. Medical treatment options include selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, or SSRIs. These are indicated as first-line, and specific drugs include fluoxetine, paroxetine, sertraline, and escitalopram. Other options include serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, or SNRIs. These are also indicated as first-line, and specific drugs include venlafaxine and duloxetine. Other options include tricyclic antidepressants, which are indicated as second line due to worse side effect profiles. Another option is buspirone, which is indicated as an adjunct to SSRIs. 
Benzodiazepines are indicated as second line due to the potential for addiction and short-lived effects, and herbal medication options are indicated in patients that are wary of medications. The specific modalities may include kava plant, which has been shown in verified studies to have a mild beneficial effect for patients with generalized anxiety disorder. However, remember that kava toxicity manifests as liver failure, hepatitis, or cirrhosis. And lastly, complications related to GAD include decreased quality of life and substance abuse. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to generalized anxiety disorder, Let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 47-year-old man presents to the emergency department complaining of, quote-unquote, something stuck in his throat. He states that shortly after a steak dinner, he felt a lump at the midsternal region that is worse with swallowing. He is able to swallow his secretions and tolerate solid and oral intake without issues. He took his father's nitroglycerin without any symptomatic improvement. He denies any shortness of breath, weight loss, change in voice, or other neck masses. The patient reports similar episodes in the past, and workup, including an endoscopy five months ago, did not yield any gross or pathological abnormalities. A physical exam is largely unremarkable and does not show any visible food bolus at the oropharynx. An electrocardiogram shows normal sinus rhythm without any ST segment deviations. A subsequent barium swallow is obtained and demonstrates a normal study without any signs of leakage, foreign body, mass, abscess, or fistula. What is the most likely explanation for this patient's symptoms? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Esophageal achalasia Choice 2. Food bolus obstruction Choice 3. Diffuse esophageal spasm Choice 4. Gastroesophageal reflux disease. Or choice 5. Globus pharyngeus. The best answer to this question is choice 5. Globus pharyngeus. This patient likely has globus pharyngeus as demonstrated by his recurring globus sensation with a largely negative workup, that is, an unremarkable endoscopy, electrocardiogram, and barium swallow. Globus pharyngeus or otherwise known as globus sensation, is a functional esophageal disorder characterized by the sensation of a foreign body in the throat without any underlying pathology. The pathogenesis of the condition is unclear. Several theories, including visceral hypersensitivity, abnormal upper esophageal sphincter, psychologic disorders, and or reflux have been proposed. Patients often describe the sensation of a lump or retained food bolus at the throat. The sensation is usually intermittent, not painful, and typically worse with swallowing saliva. The condition is a diagnosis of exclusion and occurs in the absence of symptoms of gastroesophageal reflux disorder, esophageal motility disorder, or an underlying structural lesion. Evaluation often involves a history, physical exam, endoscopies, and or imaging studies such as a barium swallow. Management is often conservative with reassurance. Psychiatric consultation may be useful for patients with coexisting psychiatric conditions. Medications such as an acid suppression therapy, tricyclic antidepressants, and or gabapentin are second line after failed therapies. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Esophageal achalasia is an esophageal motility disorder that results from the failure of smooth muscle relaxation at the lower esophageal sphincter. The most common symptom is dysphagia 
regurgitation of undigested food, midsternal chest pain, and weight loss. This patient is able to tolerate both solid and liquid oral intake and is not reporting chest pain or regurgitation. In addition, the barium swallow does not show the characteristic bird beak finding seen in esophageal achalasia. Choice 2. Food bolus obstruction is a possibility as this patient reports symptoms following a steak dinner. It is most common with meats such as steak, poultry, or pork. Patients present with acute dysphagia, often to the point where they cannot tolerate oral secretions. It is a medical emergency and often requires immediate endoscopic removal. This patient's symptoms are not consistent with that of food bolus obstruction. Choice 3. Diffuse esophageal spasm is a condition characterized by contractions of the esophagus. Symptoms include dysphagia, regurgitation, and chest pain that is similar to that of acute cardiac syndrome. Imaging studies, such as barium swallow, often demonstrate the classic corkscrew esophagus. It can be mistaken for myocardial infarction, as patients often improve following nitrates. This patient did not experience any relief with nitrate, and his barium swallow was normal. Choice 4. GERD is a common condition in which stomach contents reflux into the esophagus. Symptoms include heartburn, bad breath, chest pain, regurgitation, and chronic cough. Diagnosis is often made clinically, with history and symptoms, but can be confirmed via additional studies, such as with an esophagogastroduodenoscopy or esophageal pH monitoring. Patients with GERD will have signs of inflammation on biopsy. This patient had a normal endoscopic study five months ago and is not reporting symptoms of heartburn, chest pain, or regurgitation. Finally, a bullet summary. Globus pharyngeus is a functional esophageal disorder that presents with the sensation of a lump at the esophagus without any underlying pathology. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 25-year-old man presents to his primary care physician for recurrent headaches. The patient states that the headaches have been going on for the past week, and he is concerned that he may have cancer. Based on his symptoms, he strongly believes that he needs further diagnostic workup. The patient works as a nurse at the local hospital and is concerned that he is going to lose his job. The patient is also concerned about his sexual performance with his girlfriend, and as a result, he has ceased to engage in sexual activities. Finally, the patient is concerned about his relationship with his family. He states that his concerns related to these issues have persisted for the past year. The patient has a past medical history of obesity, diabetes, hypertension, and irritable bowel syndrome. His current medications include metformin, insulin, lisinopril, and hydrochlorothiazide. The patient has a family history of colorectal cancer in his grandfather and father. The patient's neurological exam is within normal limits. The patient denies having a headache currently. Which of the following is the best initial step in management? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Buspirone Choice 2. Clonazepam Choice 3. Fluoxetine Choice 4. MRI of the head, or choice 5, sumatriptan. The best answer to this question is choice 3, fluoxetine. This patient is presenting with symptoms of excess worry with regards to multiple issues and symptoms that have persisted for greater than 6 months, suggesting a diagnosis of generalized anxiety disorder. The best initial therapy is cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT, and a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, such as fluoxetine. Generalized anxiety disorder presents with excessive worry associated with multiple unrelated issues. 
Symptoms must persist for six months or greater in order to make the diagnosis and must be distressing to the patient. The best initial therapy is CBT and SSRIs. Refractory cases can be treated with buspirone and benzodiazepines are reserved as a last resort therapy or for exacerbations or panic attacks. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Buspirone is an anxiolytic. However, it is not the best initial therapy and would only be used in cases refractory to CBT and SSRIs or if there was a contraindication to SSRIs. Choice 2. Clonazepam is a benzodiazepine and is indicated in cases of generalized anxiety disorder that are refractory to CBT, SSRIs, and buspirone. Benzodiazepines should only be reserved for severe and refractory cases and for panic attacks. Dependence is a concern with chronic use. Choice 4. MRI of the head is indicated if a patient has persistent headaches that are refractory to many medications without a clear underlying cause elucidated by a CT of the head. This patient is not experiencing headaches currently, and he has no focal neurological symptoms that would warrant an MRI. Choice 5. Sumatriptan is appropriate abortive therapy for migraine headaches. However, it seems that this patient's symptoms are a more likely excessive concern related to normal physiologic symptoms. He lacks symptoms currently, and normal neurologic exam would not warrant triptans. Rather, ibuprofen could be used as needed. Finally, a bullet summary. The best initial treatment for generalized anxiety disorder is CBT and an SSRI. That's all for this review about generalized anxiety disorder. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app, while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.